Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we're checking the recipe, measuring out our ingredients with precision, and cooking with conviction as we find the confidence of a chocolate chip. What does that even mean as my stomach grumbles at the mention of a chocolate chip? Don't worry, I'm going to get to that and more. Let's start here. Where do you find your confidence? Maybe you're saying, what confidence? Or maybe you walk tall, exuding courage and assertiveness. No matter where you currently are on the confidence scale, there's something in this show for you. A different perspective and a positive alternative. So stay with me. If you were a cookie, what cookie would you be? Shortbread? Ice sugar cookie? Fig Newton? Snickerdoodle? Peanut butter? Oreo? Yum, I'm salivating. During a trip with a group of women, I sensed some tension between myself and another woman. Sensed some tension? That's polite. She actually confronted me out of the blue. I was caught off guard because before the incident, I didn't even realize she wasn't a fan of mine. The next day, I was discussing this encounter with a friend who happens to be a social worker. So can we say delicate in her approach? She told me that I was like an oatmeal raisin cookie. Some people like oatmeal raisin cookies, and some don't. Hmm. With my head cocked sideways like your favorite golden retriever reel, I said, weird, I always thought I was chocolate chip. Now, there's more than a delicious treat to unpack here. As I stepped back and looked at my life and my approach to it, that made perfect sense. I have the confidence of a chocolate chip. Personally or professionally, I avoid fear and self-doubt by believing everyone will like me. They'll listen to my ideas embrace my opinions, and genuinely want to help me because they truly like me. Pie in the sky? Nope, we're talking about cookies here. Is it always true? Absolutely not. But don't tell me that. My chips make me fearless. Madison Sabatino asks and informs on what is your cookie personality found at The Rampage. From the classic chocolate chip to outrageous flavors like oatmeal butterscotch, your favorite cookie can say a lot about who you are as a person. That raises the question, what am I based on my favorite cookie? Chocolate chip. If your favorite cookie is chocolate chip, you're a huge people pleaser. Yep, that's true. You have a pretty selective palate and typically stick to your favorite things and activities. You love keeping things simple, but tend to not stray from your typical day's tasks. However, everyone loves you and adores that you're always consistent in what you do. You are well appreciated by everyone around you, and that will never change. Sugar cookie. If you like sugar cookies the most, you are extremely flexible. You're open to endless possibilities and shape yourself based on the people you're around. You're typically pretty calm, but the best gets brought out of you by kind individuals, especially when you get complimented. 
You often try not to take things to heart, but you can be sensitive at the same time. You find it easy to focus on your interests, but might struggle focusing in school. Oatmeal Raisin, you're an old soul with an open palate. You tend to be constantly exhausted and typically reach for whatever's in front of you rather than anything further ahead. You take things with a grain of salt, but you find it difficult to use empathy in emotional situations rather than logic. However, you are fairly comforting to be around and always provide friendship to those who could use it. Red Velvet Cookie You are a colorful personality and likely pretty fun to be around. People see you as the talkative one in class, and you enjoy that. You're outgoing, lovable, and just an overall great person to be around. You find it hard to focus on multiple things at once, but can hyper-focus if you try hard enough. Fudge Cookie You try to be creative and out of the box, but are just barely overpassing the line of normal. You try to make yourself known as different, but often hurt yourself trying. You're comforting and remind people of their good memories, but sometimes bring bad ones up too. You're often sardonic with your humor, but it typically gains a roar of laughter from your colleagues. Peanut butter. You're an intelligent person, but also a bit stern. You struggle opening up with your emotions, but you bring a lot of love and warmth to the table when you do. You bring the people around you together just as much as you can push some away. Your personality is often very hard to decipher, but once people do, they appreciate your presence. Snickerdoodle. Your personality changes with the seasons. You appreciate the fall and winter seasons and often complain in warm weather. You find comfort in family scenarios and see your friends as family as well. You treat everyone around you just as you would like to be treated, but can sometimes take out your emotions on the wrong people. Shortbread. You are very cut and dry, often sarcastic. Your personality can be difficult to get along with. You're typically very factual and need a lot of exciting people to bring out your loose and fun side. Insightful or just fun? Either way, the point is to start focusing on how you tick and why. Some of our personality is hardwired, and some can be altered by changing our perception and the way we think. My mother said I never met a stranger, and instead of hiding behind her, she would have to keep an eye on me in case I went home with the person standing next to her. No surprise that I'm an extrovert today but you don't have to be outgoing to be fearless and confident. I have confidence when I feel confident what I'm saying or doing. Even if you have inherent talents, you don't wake up with all the skills you need or want. That takes focus and practice to be perfect. What do you want to be confident in? At skillsyouneed.com, I found more information on building your confidence. Confidence is not something that can be learned like a set of rules. Confidence is a state of mind. Positive thinking, practice, training, knowledge, and talking to other people are all useful ways to help improve or boost your confidence levels. 
Confidence comes from feelings of well-being, acceptance of your body and mind, your self-esteem, and belief in your own ability, skills, and experience. Confidence is an attribute that most people would like to possess. Although self-confidence can mean different things to different people, in reality, it simply means having faith in yourself. Confidence is, in part, a result of how we've been brought up and how we've been taught. We learn from others how to think about ourselves and how to behave. These lessons affect what we believe about ourselves and other people. Confidence is also a result of our experiences and how we've learned to react to different situations. Self-confidence is not a static measure. Our confidence to perform roles and tasks and deal with situations can increase and decrease, and some days we may feel more confident than others. Low confidence can be a result of many factors including fear of the unknown, criticism, being unhappy with personal appearance, feeling unprepared, poor time management, lack of knowledge, and previous failures. Often when we lack confidence in ourselves, it's because of what we believe others will think of us. Perhaps others will laugh at us or complain or make fun if we make a mistake. Thinking like this can prevent us from doing things we want or need to do because we believe that the consequences are too painful or embarrassing. Overconfidence can be a problem if it makes you believe that you can do anything, even if you don't have the necessary skills abilities, and knowledge to do it well. In such situations, overconfidence can lead to failure. Being overly confident also means you're more likely to come across to other people as arrogant or egotistical. People are more likely to take pleasure in your failure if you're perceived as arrogant. Confidence and self-esteem are not the same things, although they're often linked. Confidence is the term we use to describe how we feel about our ability to perform roles, functions, and tasks. Self-esteem is how we feel about ourselves, the way we look, the way we think, whether or not we feel worthy or valued. People with low self-esteem often also suffer from generally low confidence, but people with good self-esteem can also have low confidence. It's also perfectly possible for people with low self-esteem to be very confident in some areas. Performing a role or completing a task confidently is not about not making mistakes. Mistakes are inevitable, especially when doing something new. Confidence includes knowing what to do when mistakes come to light, and therefore it's also about problem solving and decision making. There are two sides to improving confidence. Although the ultimate aim is to feel more confident in yourself and your abilities, it's also worth considering how you can appear more confident to other people. So here's a list of ideas on how to achieve this. Planning and preparation. People often feel less confident about new or potentially difficult situations. Perhaps the most important factor in developing confidence is planning and preparing for the unknown. If you're applying for a new job, for example, it'd be a good idea to prepare for the interview, right? Plan what you want to say and think about some of the questions that might be asked. 
practice your answers with friends or colleagues, and gain their feedback. There are many other examples of planning for an interview. Perhaps you should visit the hairdresser before you go. How are you going to travel to the interview and how long will the journey take? What should you wear? Take control of unknown situations the best that you can, break down tasks into smaller subtasks, and plan out as many as you can. In some situations, it may be necessary to also have a contingency plan, like a backup. If you've planned to travel to your interview by car, but the morning of, the car won't start, being able to react calmly to the unexpected is a sign of confidence. Learning, knowledge, and training. Learning and research can help us feel more confident about our ability to handle situations, roles, and tasks. Knowing what to expect and how and why things are done will add to your awareness and usually make you feel more prepared and ultimately more confident. However, learning and gaining knowledge can sometimes make us feel less confident about our abilities to perform roles and tasks. And when this happens, we need to combine our knowledge with experience. By doing something we have learned a lot about, we put theory to practice, which develops confidence and adds to the learning and comprehension. First-time parents may well feel nervous and less confident about having a baby. They're likely to buy books or visit websites that can offer advice and dispel some of the mysteries. They're also likely to talk to other parents to gain knowledge and understanding. In the workplace, training may be provided for staff to teach them how to manage or work with new systems and procedures. During a period of organizational change, this is particularly important as many people will naturally resist change. However, if those affected by the changes are given adequate information and training, then the resistance can usually be minimized and the staff feels more prepared and therefore, you got it, more confident. Positive thought can be a very powerful way of improving confidence. If you believe that you can achieve something, then you're likely to work hard to make sure you do. If, however, you don't believe that you can accomplish a task, then you're more likely to approach it half-heartedly and therefore be more likely to fail. The trick is convincing yourself that you can do something with the right help, support, preparedness, and knowledge. Optimism is the faith that leads to achievement. Nothing can be done without hope and confidence, so hold on to that. There's a lot of information about positive thinking, both online and in print. The basic rules of positive thinking are to highlight your strengths and successes and learn from your weaknesses and mistakes. This is a lot easier than it sounds, and we often dwell on things that we're not happy with from the past, making them into bigger issues than they need to be. These negative thoughts can be very damaging to confidence and to your ability to achieve goals. Try to recondition the way you think about your life. Know your strengths and weaknesses. Write a list of things that you're good at and things that you need to improve. Discuss your list with friends and family, as inevitably they will be able to add to this list. 
Celebrate and develop your strengths and find ways to improve or manage your weaknesses. Let's be honest, we all make mistakes. Don't think of your mistakes as negatives, but rather as learning opportunities. Accept compliments and compliment yourself. When you receive a compliment from somebody else, thank them and ask them for more details. What exactly did they like? Recognize your own achievements and celebrate them by rewarding yourself and telling friends and family about them. Use criticism as a learning experience. Everybody sees the world differently from their own perspective and what works for one person may not work for the other. Criticism is just the opinion of somebody else. Be assertive when receiving criticism. Don't reply in a defensive way or let criticism lower your self-esteem. Listen to criticism and make sure that you understand what's being said so you can use criticism as a way to learn and improve. Try to stay generally cheerful and have a positive outlook on life. Only complain or criticize when necessary. And when you do, do so in a constructive way. Offer others compliments and congratulate them on their successes. Find yourself a confident role model. Ideally, this will be someone that you see regularly, a work colleague, a family member, a friend, somebody with a lot of self-confidence who you'd like to mirror. Observe them. And notice how they behave when they're being confident. How do they move? How do they speak? What do they say and when? How do they behave when faced with a problem or a mistake? How do they interact with other people? And how do others react to them? If possible, talk to them to learn more about how they think and what makes them tick. Speaking to and being around people who are confident will usually help you feel more confident. Learning from others who are successful in fulfilling the tasks and goals that you wish to achieve, let their confidence rub off on you. As you become more confident, then offer help and advice and become a role model for somebody less confident than you. Vince Lombardi said, confidence is contagious. And so is a lack of confidence. Generally, people are attracted to confident people. Confidence is one of the main characteristics of charisma. As we successfully complete tasks and goals, our confidence that we can complete the same and similar tasks again increases. A simple example of this is driving a car. Most people who have been driving for some time do so automatically. They don't have to think about it, which pedal to push, how to handle a junction in the road. They just do it. This contrasts with someone learning to drive, who will probably feel nervous and have to concentrate hard. The learner lacks experience and therefore confidence in their ability to drive. Gaining experience and taking that first step can, however, be difficult. Often, the thought of starting something new is worse than actually doing it. This is where preparation, learning, and thinking positively can help. Break roles and tasks down into small, achievable goals. 
make each one of your goals fit the SMART criteria. That means specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Whatever you do, aim to become as good as you can. The better you're at doing something, the more confident you become. Being assertive means standing up for what you believe in and sticking to your principles. Being assertive also means that you can change your mind if you believe it's the right thing to do, not because you're under pressure from someone else. Assertiveness, confidence, and self-esteem are all very closely linked. Usually people become naturally more assertive as they develop their confidence. Keep calm. There's usually a correlation between confidence and calmness. If you feel confident about a task, then you'll feel calm about doing it. When you feel less confident, you're more likely to be stressed or nervous. Trying to remain calm, even when you're under stress and pressure, will tend to make you feel more confident. To do this, it's useful to learn how to relax. Learn at least one relaxation technique that works for you and that you can use if you're feeling stressed. This may be as simple as taking some deliberate breaths in and out. Avoid arrogance. Arrogance is detrimental to interpersonal relationships. As your confidence grows and you become more successful, avoid feeling or acting superior to others. Remember, nobody is perfect, and there's always more that you can learn. Celebrate your success, your strengths, and recognize your weaknesses and failures. Give others credit for their work. Use compliments and praise sincerely. Be courteous and polite. Show an interest in what others are doing and ask questions. Admit to your mistakes and be prepared to laugh at yourself. Self-confidence can diminish over time if you don't practice your skills or if you hit setbacks. As you become more self-confident, you should continue to practice your skill to maintain and boost your confidence further. Set your confidence targets that require you to step out of your comfort zone and do things that make you feel a degree of nervousness and apprehension. Here are some potential confidence targets that you might want to include. Start a task or a project that you've been putting off for a long time. Often we put off starting important tasks because they seem overwhelming, difficult, or awkward to complete. Simply making a start on such a task can boost confidence and make you feel inclined to complete it. Make a complaint in a restaurant if there's a problem with your order. If you would not usually complain about a problem, then doing so is a good way to improve your confidence and assertiveness skills. Stand up and ask a question at a public meeting or in a group. By doing this, you're making yourself the center of attention for a few minutes. Volunteer to give a presentation or make a speech. For many people, speaking to a group of people is particularly scary. The best way to overcome this fear and gain confidence is with experience. Introduce yourself to somebody new. This could be somewhere where people have something in common, like at a party or a conference, making it potentially easier to have a conversation. Or it could be a complete stranger in the elevator. Wear something that will draw attention, some outlandish color. 
Personal appearance is an important factor in self-esteem, and people with lower self-esteem tend to try to go under the radar, make a statement, and stand out in a crowd. Confidence can feel like a superpower if you're shy and reserved. You might look at someone confident and believe there is no way that you can feel that good or self-assured. But let's not get stuck there. That same person giving that amazing speech could have been sweating bullets and pacing the floor backstage just two minutes ago. Let's tackle one giant at a time. What's one thing you would like to have more confidence in? Because I can't hear your answer, let's take public speaking as an example. If you set public speaking as a goal, relax. You don't have to give a TED Talk tomorrow or ever. Start small. Initiate a conversation in your office between you and another colleague. Raise your hand in a meeting and ask a question. Offer an analogy or a story in a conversation. The idea is to digest fear one bite at a time. When you try and swallow the whole thing at once, you choke. On the Brainy Dose YouTube channel, I found 10 bad habits that destroy your confidence. Let's take a listen. Brainy Dose presents 10 Bad Habits That Destroy Your Confidence. Self-confidence is one of those intangible things that's hard to define, but you know it when you see it. It can be thought of as a feeling of trust in one's abilities, qualities, and judgment, and it impacts nearly every aspect of our lives including how we feel about ourselves, how others see us, and how we perform in school and at work. Although a lack of confidence can be the result of debilitating social anxiety or other mental health conditions that influence one's self-perception, it's not always the case. You might not even realize that you have some subconscious habits that are actually destroying your confidence. Let's take a look at some of these tendencies and behaviors so you can learn to recognize them and get started on building healthy habits instead. Number one, neglecting your appearance. You already know the importance of good hygiene and that you should take care of your health and appearance. And one of the most important things to be aware of is that when you neglect your appearance, you're essentially showing disrespect for yourself. Furthermore, if you don't feel good about how you look, then your self-esteem is going to take a hit, especially when it comes to social situations. It may seem like a superficial point, but properly caring for your appearance can really go a long way toward building your self-confidence. Number two, obsessing over minor flaws. When you look in the mirror, are you quick to notice any minor flaw in your appearance? Do you get stuck on this flaw and magnify it in your mind until it feels like it's all you can see? If so, you need to stop. This practice is toxic for confidence. Even if you think you're just being honest with yourself, Viewing your flaws with hyper-focus can cause you to despise what you see. When this happens, your attention shifts from admiring all of the things you love about yourself to constantly scrutinizing everything you think is wrong. This ritual of self-criticism leaves you feeling sad, inadequate, and ashamed. Not the best atmosphere for a confident mindset. Instead of obsessing over minor flaws, try putting that same energy into seeing the positive qualities in yourself. It may feel strange at first, after all, positivity is often hard won when cynicism has become a habit. But as with any new habit worth developing, daily practice will transform how you feel about yourself. Number three, talking about your perceived weaknesses. 
There's a fine line between being self-deprecating and taking it too far. While self-deprecation is meant to show that you're a normal person who doesn't take yourself too seriously, it can, in some cases, come across as insecurity. Besides, if you constantly make negative comments about yourself, people will notice and either grow tired of hearing it or start thinking that maybe you're actually not as great as you seem. If you must discuss a weakness, for example, in a professional context like a job interview, frame it as an area for growth. It will show that while there are certain things you can improve on, there's a willingness and desire to learn new skills and excel in more areas than just those that come naturally. Number 4. Overcomplimenting Others When you overcompliment others, you are essentially telling them how much better they are than you. Of course, it is important to build others up, but if you do it too much and make yourself out to be a small fish in comparison, then you will start to believe this narrative. Instead of repeating the cycle of overcomplimenting others and demeaning yourself, take the time to appreciate your own gifts and talents. Remember that everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. In fact, if we were all alike, then none of us would stand out in the crowd. Each one of us has something special that makes us unique, so don't forget about your positive traits. Number 5. Believing your negative self-talk If you're like most people, you likely experience negative thoughts about yourself from time to time. Unfortunately, it is much easier to believe the bad things we tell ourselves than the good ones. And over time, this type of thinking only lowers your self-esteem and confidence, making it harder to believe in yourself and achieve your goals. While positive affirmations can help undo some of these thought patterns, even more helpful is learning how not to take your negative self-talk too seriously in the first place. It will allow for a more objective perspective on life, leading you down a path toward greater happiness overall, and therefore, more confidence. Number 6. Excessive Apologizing Do you ever find yourself saying, I'm sorry, even when someone else bumps into you? While apologies can be powerful and important, being too polite or saying sorry all the time can actually hurt your confidence. Excessive apologizing can make you seem like you're unsure of yourself, as though you have no faith in your abilities or decisions. You shouldn't apologize for things that you know aren't your fault or for something you don't feel sorry about. Doing so, you put the blame on yourself and lead others to think that you are at fault. Apologies should be given when they are called for, otherwise they lose their effectiveness and meaning. Number 7. Letting others make decisions for you You can't be confident if you don't know what you want or don't believe that your opinions matter. Confidence is built by expressing your desires in honest, empowering ways. This can only happen when you listen to yourself, trust yourself, and follow through on things you want in life. When someone is telling you what they think should happen, or pressuring you into doing something they want instead of considering your needs, or worse yet, they try to control or manipulate you, your confidence will suffer for it. Number 8. Lowering Your Standards Lowering your standards to be okay with whatever happens means accepting less than what you deserve. Sure, lowering your standards will make things more comfortable or convenient for you. And while it might be an easy solution at the moment, it won't help your confidence in the long run. In fact, lowering your standards lowers your self-worth and causes more problems than it solves. It's also a slippery slope. Once you start doing it for one thing, it becomes easier to do it for others as well. We may not hold the same values, and that's okay, but if you have a set of standards and stick to them, it will make you happier and definitely more confident. Number 9. 
Maintaining toxic relationships. When it comes to being confident, the relationships you have in your life play a major role. That's because everyone around you affects the way you think and feel about yourself. The people who are closest to you, your family, friends, coworkers, and even acquaintances all have an impact on your self-esteem. If those around you are constantly criticizing or belittling you, your confidence will diminish. So take a step back and consider whether your relationships are healthy for both parties involved, especially if your confidence has taken a hit as a result of being with these individuals. In order to be confident and assertive, it's important that you surround yourself with positive people who care about your well-being as much as their own. Number 10. Comparing yourself to others. We've all been there. You're caught up in your social media feed and you start to notice that other people are reaching milestones faster than you. Maybe they have a nicer house, a better job, or they're happily married while you're struggling with dating. You feel jealous, insecure, and maybe even angry that these people have something you don't. But wait, is it really as bad as it seems? Comparing yourself to others is normal human behavior. We're wired to notice differences and make judgments. But if left unchecked, this habit can be destructive to your self-confidence. It can leave you feeling envious or resentful of the accomplishments of others. Try instead to focus on what sets you apart in a positive way and remind yourself that everyone's path is different, even if they look similar at first glance. These bad habits are all markers of low self-confidence. While some of them may seem harmless, they can cause considerable damage if ignored for long enough. The trick is to recognize these pitfalls when they happen. With practice, you'll be able to substitute a positive thought or behavior each time one of these bad habits pops up. So Hugo over at trackinghappiness.com gives us seven ways to overcome self-doubt and boost your confidence. One of the biggest deathbed regrets is, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. If you're constantly dealing with self-doubt, you'll find it hard to live with courage and never second-guess your decisions. But how do you actually overcome self-doubt? You can overcome self-doubt when you take conscious steps to deal with the cause. Self-doubt is often caused by a lack of confidence and something called imposter syndrome. When the voice inside your head keeps telling you that you're not good enough, you need to learn how to stop listening to the self-doubting thoughts in your mind. Self-doubt is a feeling that tells you that you're not good enough. It's a voice inside your head that doubts your abilities no matter how good or proficient you actually are. The self-doubting voice inside your mind will find a way to critique your capabilities. Self-doubt is not a rare phenomenon. It occurs mostly when we're not confident in our own abilities. This happens much more than you might think. In fact, some sources state that 85% of Americans struggle with low self-esteem and self-doubt. This means that you aren't the only one that's struggling with self-doubt. It's just that most people try to mask their insecurities by faking confidence when in front of others. The inner critic is the arch enemy of confidence. Everyone has an inner critic. It's the nagging negative voice in your head telling you that you're not good enough 
or that you'll never amount to anything. This inner voice is the cause of your self-doubt. But what actually causes this inner voice to control your thoughts and mind? The biggest causes of self-doubt are having been excessively criticized, scolded, or yelled at in the past, a general lack of confidence, suffering from imposter syndrome, and the fear of failure. Let's look more closely at each of these causes. Being unfairly criticized in the past. It's good to know that no one is really born as a self-doubter. This lack of self-confidence is often a result of past experiences. For example, if you were constantly scolded and criticized as a kid, there's a likelihood that this has a lasting effect on your confidence. This would be a result of neuroplasticity. Your brain adapts to your life circumstances to make itself more efficient at handling future challenges. In this case, there's something that causes you to doubt yourself more in the future. If your brain is used to dealing with self-doubt, criticism, and being yelled at, it will adapt to these circumstances. Lack of confidence. In the end, a lot of self-doubting is caused by a lack of confidence. Like most psychological constructs, self-confidence is made up of and influenced by a myriad of factors, including but not limited to life experiences, including traumatic events, achievements, physical and mental health, stress, quality of relationships. Ideally, in order to be confident, you should be in good mental and physical health, have had positive life experiences and supportive parents. You should generally be surrounded by people who build you up instead of those who knock you down. And your life shouldn't be too stressful while still being challenging and rewarding. Another fun fact, research has shown that self-confidence and self-esteem rise with age. As you grow older and gain more experience, your faith in yourself will grow. Imposter syndrome. Finally, there's another phenomenon that often causes self-doubt, especially in a professional environment. Even when you're really confident in your personal life, you can suffer from imposter syndrome at work. Imposter syndrome is the persistent feeling that you're a fraud and a fake, and that someone's going to figure out that you don't know half as much as you pretend to. It can affect people of all ages and from all walks of life, and can often stop them from achieving their true potential. Fear of failure. Fear of failure is fairly common. I'm willing to bet that you've experienced it too. Whether it's not joining the workout group you've been thinking of or applying for a new job, most of us have been held back by the fear of failure at some point in our lives. Failure is so common because failure is the most readily available option. Success requires a lot of work and effort, and sometimes, no matter how hard you work, you still fail. It takes quite a lot of mental strength and resilience to keep working towards your goal despite failures and setbacks. So how can you overcome self-doubt? What can you do? This seemingly simple question is a bit more challenging to answer, and it involves changing your mindset and forming long-lasting habits. Vincent van Gogh said, If you hear a voice within you say you cannot paint, 
then by all means paint and that voice will be silenced. Here are some tactics that you can use to help you deal with your feelings of self-doubt. Start small. The key to conquering any kind of self-doubt is to start small and gradually work your way up to the really scary stuff. Practice self-appreciation. Whenever we're about to make a decision or take action on something of importance to us, it's easy to second-guess ourselves. It's in our nature to anticipate threats or danger. But one thing that heightens our paralysis is the way we perceive ourselves. It's the way we talk to ourselves. There are four steps you can take to practice self-appreciation on a daily basis. Number one, step out of your negative thoughts. Two, accept who you are at this moment. Three, see the goodness in you. Four, be grateful. Think more positively of the future. Try and change your thinking into something less doubtful and more hopeful. Whenever you experience feelings of self-doubt, try to add the word yet to your thoughts. I'm not clever enough yet. There's no way I can do that yet. I'm not strong enough yet. This type of thinking may sound silly and inconsequential, but there's some actual power behind this strategy. Realize that failing doesn't make you a failure. We are only human, so we're bound to fail every once in a while. It's important to realize that everybody occasionally struggles with failure in their life. What you need to do when this happens is don't let such a thing set you back. Don't interpret it as a failure, but rather as a learning experience. And most importantly, Don't let it stop you from trying again tomorrow. If you want to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, whether oatmeal, raisin, or sugar cookie, present your chocolate chip. Crush anxiety and self-doubt by mastering one skill at a time. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. Someone through until the path was clear. That's when I found you. How I wound up here.